the wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. You may know me from Bravo TV's Family Karma and, of course, social media. I grew up in a very conservative Indian family, but I have always forged my own path and live life on my own terms. I recently left my successful career in New York City and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing and I know you are too. Join me as I spill the chai on my own cringeworthy personal life experiences every Thursday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey, bestie, it's Cami Crawford. Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in every Friday for new episodes. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Is that my sexy bestie and a Tessie listening to this episode right now? I bet it is. I bet it is. You better look yourself in the mirror right now and say, I am a sexy ass bitch. And if you don't feel it right now, you will by the end of this episode. We are talking all things sexy and not so sexy when it comes to sex with sexologist and intimacy expert, Shan Boudram. I'm obsessed with this episode for so many reasons, but mainly because it is just so honest and so open. And I hope you get that feeling by the end of listening to this. Hold on to your seats. Hold on to your hats, okay? It is about to be a wild ride, but it's going to be so much fun and educational, but most importantly, vulnerable. So I want to thank all of you for even sending in your questions and just being so open because that's what this podcast is all about. And I'm going to be sharing my own shit as usual. So welcome back. Buckle in. Here we go. Welcome back to Relationship. I am so excited about this episode. You literally have no idea because I'm a Scorpio. So I like talking about sex naturally. I thought you told me you were a Virgo 10 seconds ago. Rising. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not. I'm new to this. Not true to this. <laughs> <laughs> I try to call you out in your podcast the first six seconds in. You're like, wait, wait she lied second. to me. The lies. She lied to me. Do no. people lie about their astrological signs? Is that the correct way of saying it? Probably. Mm-hmm. I could see people doing that. Yeah, like to try to like uh, get along with somebody, right? Yeah. Like you might lie about where you were born or what kind of coffee you like. And if you are a Gemini, maybe you have a reason to lie. 
because you don't want people to know you're crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know. Do you lie about your zodiac sign? This is not what this episode is about. This episode is about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that baby. Let's talk about sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you know the voice, then you know the woman, Shan Boudram. Oh, drop a bomb Sexologist, sex educator, Her. sex expert. Mm-hmm. I just need to know because I, I, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of yours as well. And meeting you in person, everything makes perfect sense. I'm crazy. You are not crazy. You are particular. Not particular is the wrong word. Everything looks perfect. Yes. But it's because you care deeply. Yes. You care deeply. I'll say that. But inside, it's like a... Outside looks phenomenal. Oh, great. It looks phenomenal. Perfect that I'm doing my job. Okay. (laughs) Doing what I'm supposed to do. I just need to know. I, I... Obviously, I have a million questions. Our listeners have a billion more questions. Everybody wants to talk about sex, but nobody talks about sex. Why is that? Well, I think it's because everyone is, I think from an educator perspective, they're afraid of being the one who. Like, you know, when Mm. you're in grade school and the principal calls home and said, Susie said some inappropriate things in school today. Yeah. And like, what did they say? And then if it's something that you said, then you feel terrible because they repeated the thing that you initiated. But if they said something that you're like, where did they get that from? Then you don't have to have the burden of guilt. Yeah. So I think everybody is trying to pass off that burden of guilt. So they'd rather not be the one to introduce information. So if things don't go well, they aren't the ones to blame. Right. So it's unfortunate because the ramifications of that, you have a bunch of people who nobody tells them anything and they get a bunch of misinformation. But- People, I think, are afraid of telling somebody. I think the, it's the burden of shame being passed on. Yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it because we did a poll on our Instagram stories and 74% of our listeners have never had the sex talk. Growing up, mm. my mom is actually the one who gave most of my friends the sex talk because she was like, y'all not walking around not knowing about this. We're going to talk about this right now. Shout out to Mrs. Crawford. Okay. Mrs. Crawford. Yes. Shout out to Mrs. Crawford. She's a baddie for sure. She, but... That was because her mom never gave her the sex talk. My grandma did not talk about sex at all, ever. So when she had kids, she has five daughters. She's like, y'all go know. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to give like any body parts, any nicknames. It was like, this is the vagina. That's the penis. This is like, and it was very just plain out in the open. But I have met so many people. Who did your are, mom go through the different parts of the vagina with you? No, I don't think she knew all that. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just knew the vagina. Yes. <laughs> and this is what it looks like. And like everyone has different ones. So don't feel weird if like, you That's know, yours helpful. doesn't look like everybody else's because that wasn't, I feel like we're just learning as we're growing how different our bodies are and how differently our bodies react to certain things. Because even when I talk to my girlfriends about oral sex, some of them are like, I don't like it. I'm like, what? What do you mean? How is that possible? But like, it just goes to show we're all so different. But for you, I heard that you started, you decided that you wanted to make sex like your expertise in Mm -hmm. college. What was it about the topic that like made you want to just jump in? I think a really shitty teen sex life. It was the fact that, (laughs) to be honest, if I really backed it up, I was drawn to sex relationships in the body at a very young age. I'm talking like five years old. And because I was naturally drawn to it, I think from an age-appropriate standpoint, I don't look back and think like I was deviant. I think I was treated that way. But Mm. I was like, no, I just knew that this was a pure, good, and happy part of my life that if I interacted with in a 
responsible way, I would not only benefit from it individually, but those around me would, would benefit from it. Yeah. But I, I grew up, I have a West Indian family. And my, Same. Oh, really? Yes. That makes sense. From you, Jamaica. Oh, uh, Guyana. <gasps> so Guyana is my dad and my mom is Dominican. So wow. for them, having a child who was comfortable with their body or was very physically affectionate or whose Barbies were always naked yeah. was like cause for pause. And it was a big deal. And then kind of similarly, not wanting to get that phone call, my parents mm. got that phone call of like, your daughter is doing this. Where did she get this from? And you just don't, as a parent, want mm. that. So instead of looking for ways to find healthy outlets for me, they shut it down completely. And wow. so I didn't interact with my sexuality, I think from the age of like five until 14 when hormones kicked into play. And then I had no choice but to constantly engage because I was just mm -hmm. horny all the oh time. Oh my God, and those teenage hormones. Those Jesus were, yeah, Christ. they're a lot. It's like that, what's that cartoon that everyone, Big Mouth? Is mm -hmm. it Big Mouth with the with the sex hormone like demon that pops up and is like, masturbate? Yes, it is exactly <laughs> like that. And I think it's so important that we have these bits of con content out there right yeah. now. Because now you don't feel like you're alone. Because at the time right. it's happening to you, you think that no one else can relate. Right. And then you've been told that you're going to go to hell if you do this, that you're a bad person, you're a bad daughter. Right. And so when you have these feelings, you're like, there's something deeply wrong with me. And yeah. so I had that feeling of there's something deeply wrong with me. And so in essence, I still had the urges though, which allowed, which caused me to act out in ways I wasn't proud of. So by the mm. time I turned 19, I had seven sexual partners, zero orgasms, zero positive connections. Zero orgasms. My self-esteem was really low. I had orgasms with myself. I right. had learned to masturbate, mm -hmm. which interestingly enough, I knew how to masturbate, but I didn't know where the clitoris was. Oh, I don't think I knew. I didn't know what to call it. Yeah. I knew if I rubbed the outside, things worked. But in my belief system, the clitoris was inside the vagina, which is mm. why in porn, people responded so ravenously right. to penetration. Um, so I I was always looking for the right penis. I was like, oh, sex doesn't feel good because I haven't found the right penis yet. Mm. Where really it was like, no, bitch, do the same. You know how you DJ by yourself yeah. and it works out great? Yeah. You need that wicka, in the wicka. bedroom. Right. right. <laughs> so I essentially right. got to a place at 19 where I was at a crossroads of either my parents and religion was right, this is bad, or I don't have good information. Like before I go and d devote my life to nunnery, let me just see mm -hmm. if there's more information out there. So I went to a library and I learned, I read every possible book about sex and realized there was great information. But to me, I would never naturally find that unless I'd hit rock bottom because mm. it wasn't interesting. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't palatable. It wasn't the coldest winter ever. It wasn't Gossip Girl, my favorite TV show. So I thought, <laughs> is there a person who can make sex education sexy? And at the time, there was no one that I knew of who fit that. So yeah. I thought I could be that. I love that. You have to take the bull by the horns, literally. You do, yeah. Because they're not going to give it to you. And it's true. Like like I said, my grandma, who, you know, we grew up in a West Indian family, it's not something you talk about. You don't talk about those kinds of things. And so for, uh, you know, our generation or even some of our parents' generations, it's very important to, like, instill that kind of education into your kids, especially when, you know, like my like you were talking about your Barbies having yes. like mine would literally be laying on top of each other underneath the air hockey table. And would, would you be get like, in trouble? No, because I don't think my parents knew that I was doing that. Oh. But I was like, I would lay them on top of each other and be like, I'm going to give you five minutes. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like shocking that in my young Which, brain. Which interestingly enough, that's the average length of time. See, <laughs> I was ahead of my time. Ahead of my time. But I think, I think that there's just something to lack of education being a part of why people don't talk about sex because they don't want to seem stupid or like there's some kind of embarrassment that takes place where you think that like 
I should know this. Because we've gotten a lot of questions from people who are like, this is my first time. I'm 30 years old. I'm 20 years old. Like, I'm the first one out of all my friends who hasn't had sex. Like, what are tips for first timers? I guess straight out of the gate, because some people don't even know what that feeling is like. I think as a first timer, you're at an advantage in many ways because you don't have that burden of knowingness. Mm -hmm. I have a better way of putting this, but kind of like what you were just saying. What really struck me as so crazy about this space is you're not encouraged to get a sex education. We all acknowledge we didn't get it growing up. Mm -hmm. Majority of us didn't have healthy examples of relationships growing up. We're not taught this in school. Right. And yet, if you were caught reading a book, you'd be the loser. Mm -hmm. You'd be the weirdo. Yeah. yeah. And then everybody wants to be great at sex. Everybody wants to be great at love. But we don't acknowledge that this doesn't just fall from the sky. Right. But it's almost like if you admit that you need help, you're the person with the real problem. Right. So I, I actually think sometimes what ends up happening is people are in that programming of I don't learn anything. I don't know anything. I don't act like I have any ignorances. I just go in and blindly pretend I'm the expert. Yeah. And they can find themselves 10 years deep before they look up and say, I actually don't know what I'm doing. Mm. So if you're somebody who hasn't yet, and especially if you're older, and you're seeking out knowledge, I think that you have the benefit of going in there curious. Yeah. And that to me is the recipe for a great sexual partner, period. I think the person who says like, I'm amazing in the bedroom. Right. Oh, bye. Because exactly, because I'm thinking you're going to come in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, if someone says to you, like, I'm going to cook you the best spaghetti ever. And then they don't ask you a single question. Like you made this whole meal, but mm -hmm. hey, I don't eat meat. Mm -hmm. But there's you mushrooms. were like, I, like I know how to make spaghetti. So yeah. you're so headstrong in the way that you've done things. Yeah. But you're not curious about how the other person wants things to be done for them. Right. So I think as a first timer leaning into that, like greenness, like I'm curious, I'm new, which everybody should really have that. Yeah. Can actually make you a better lover than the person who's been having sex for 15 plus years. Let's talk about first times. You remember yours? Of course. Yeah. How long was it? How long did it last? Yeah. I didn't realize that my first sexual experience partner, I was their first until 10 years later. Wow. So I think at the time it wasn't so short that I thought, bitch, you lying. Yeah. This was your first. Yeah. So I, I would assume maybe it was like probably five minutes or something like that. Yeah. Was yours very um, rapid? You know, when I think about it, <laughs> because it was it was my high school, one of my high school boyfriends. It was both of our first time. I remember my family, like we were packing up to leave. First of all, mom, dad, family, tune out. This ain't for y'all. <laughs> okay. This is not for any of, this isn't for anyone. Your mom heard herself getting bigged up. Friends. So she's like, yeah. oh, you invited her friends to come she's listen. She's tuned in. She's like, sex talk. Yeah. No, not you, girl. Log off. Anyways, we were moving. We were moving states. And so my entire house was like packed up with boxes. And my high school boyfriend and I were like, we need to make this happen before I leave. Like, let's just do it. Like, we want to be each other's first. Let's just do it. So we go down in the basement. We're surrounded by boxes. There's literally nothing. There's nowhere to lay down. There's there's a couch. But like, we were like, eh, maybe we'll try it standing up. He put it in. He took it out. We hugged each other and we cried. That was it. Wow. So maybe. You both it, cried? Yeah. That's a lovely. That's yeah, lovely. It, you know, but when I think about like that was my first time, it's like there was no time. It was like a 15 second. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Boop, boop. Goodbye. <laughs> and <laughs> like, there was no foreplay, obviously. No. You didn't get off. No. Right. But it I was mean, so, did, did he it felt get on? on? That's no, nothing happened. Nothing happened except for it happened. And it was like, this is, this is great. Of course, after that, we fucked like rabbits for 
two years that we were together. But like when it first happened, there's just so much. I feel like there's just so much anticipation and like anxiety, but also excitement about having that first time. But it's never if you would have told me when I was like, I don't know, whenever I first learned about sex, that my first time would be surrounded by packing boxes standing what up the in tears, the middle of a tears room. Of what? I think just like excitement for each other. Oh, wow. This is actually one of the loveliest experiences I've ever you heard think before. So? It really is. I honestly feel like I I thought in my mind it would be like on a bed of roses. There would be maybe not champagne because I was too young, but like maybe champagne shit. But like, <laughs> like a, you know, chilling well, yeah. I mean, sure, the cider. aesthetics could have been better. But yeah. I think that the conversation before, there was no coercion. Both of you really wanted it. It was symbolic for you. You got together and I mean, yeah, the sex could be better. But I think the fact that you cried afterwards and like, wow, we just shared yeah. something really special together. And you both would look back and remember it that way is really cool. I wonder if he looks back. Maybe he does. I haven't talked to him in forever, so I have no idea. Shout but out like, to you, X. Also, exactly. don't listen to this podcast. Not for you. <laughs> no, not for you. Please don't put too much emphasis on because, you know, you, you gone, gone. So don't worry about that. But like, I feel like most people, when they think about their first time, it, it it's not at all what you think it's going to be. So I feel like if you don't have any idea of what it's going to be like, don't put too much pressure on it being some kind of aesthetically pleasing experience because sometimes it's not like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is in the back of a car and that's fun too. Like, you know, I think that we just have it in our minds that it's going to be, that we're going to for sure orgasm. It's going to be the most incredible experience of our lives. Or some people have like that fear of like, am I going to bleed? Am I going to like, what's going to happen? But I just feel like we put too much pressure on it. I think if sex is authentic, that is to me the baseline benchmark. Of yeah. a good sexual experience. And authentic can be that the other person couldn't get hard. And mm. we talked about it and had a great conversation afterwards and nobody got off, but we got to a different level of intimacy. Yeah. And we allowed ourselves to be in that space given the circumstances that came up. And I love authentic sex in all I have my my husband and start off as my fuck buddy. Can we swear in this oh, podcast? I can't. Uh, it's called relationship. Okay, good. You know what? I just keep being so like casual <laughs> yes. with the language. Don't be casual Sorry. with the. Do not unleash the beast. Um, but at the time that I met my husband, I was looking for a fuck buddy, and mm. I mean like I was auditioning people. <gasps> so I would have. A How dude did come that work? Over. I have somebody come over. We'd make out, and then I'd be like, Yeah, I could, not my vibe. And so I just kept doing that. I was at a phase in my life where I was not in a healthy mental space. I was, I'm an immigrant to America mm. and I was at risk of being deported. So nothing was really stable. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I just need pleasure for pleasure's sake right now. Right. So I would just put on a sports bra and some sweatpants, play some Beyonce, invite a dude over. We'd kick it. If we made out, so be it. And yes. if I wasn't feeling the vibe, they'd go home. And so my husband came over and he was in that like group of people and he, uh, got past the makeup and he started like going down on me. And when he was going down on me, he was fingering me and the look on his face was that of like a painter. Like it was like he was so in tune with wow. the work, you know, oh. like really authentically showing up in the moment. And I was like, this is great. Yes. And I just feel like your story just sounds like authentic. Thank you. Myself in the U-Haul boxes next to me at the time. Thank you for yeah. that. Because it didn't feel like that after. Well, it did in the moment. But like after I had like a, a, a actual sexual experience in a bed, I was like, oh, oh, this is nicer. 
I like the bed. Well, see, like my experience in my first time, you know, I didn't even know the person that was there first time. Like that was how inauthentic right. that experience was. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, even when thinking about like you talking about that experience with your husband, which literally almost made me tear up because oh, so beautiful. I feel, I feel like, like I was in the basement hugging you guys as you told the story. <laughs> I could feel my soul <laughs> creeping yes. down the stairs Just and then being like, I'll join this hug. Admiring. I know. Oh my God. But I feel like, you know, even if you have had sex plenty of times, when we think about like, what's the best sex you've ever had in your life? I always feel like it's not necessarily about like, if I'm speaking like heterosexually, it's as a woman, like it's not about like the biggest dick I've ever had or like the, you know, whatever. It really is about the connection for me, like the emotional connection that you have with someone, I think is so much more important than like the physical, the physicality of things. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? I agree if you agree. I agree that whatever is important to you is what you should prioritize. And if you feel like, and a lot of people agree with that, yeah. like that should be a normal way of thinking about sex of, I'm a really big fan of sex needs two things to be great at the base. You know, me three authentic. I'll add that to the list as of today. It's my yes. third thing. Yes. Uh, but consent, uh -huh. massively important. Intent, mutual intent, and then authenticity. But to me, mutual intent is like, why do you want to do this? Yeah. Do you want to do this because you want to get to a level of intimacy with me that you haven't achieved before or that you want to get back to? Do you want to do this because you just want to nut and go to sleep? Mm, do you mm -hmm. have a Charlie horse and having an orgasm helps you get rid of that? Like if you've yeah. got one idea of what you want and I have a different idea of what I want, we're not going to have the best sexual experience together. Because to me, good sex isn't just about the moment. It's three weeks after. Right. Do I look back on that and be like reminisce and say that was a great time? Or do I get that feeling of guilt in my stomach of like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. And if I have that, was it really great sex? So... I think that intent part is really important. And for a lot of people, their intent for having sex is to share in a deep emotional bond and then to have that manifest in the physical. Yeah. And if that is your intent, finding somebody who's on the same wavelength is make or break for good sex. Wow. Well, let's get into uh, some people's truth because the people have a lot to say. And I want to make sure that we get to, there's like a lot of overarching questions, but there's also some specific ones. Do you do your own um, makeup? Yeah. It's so good. Oh girl, I don't have time. For Even your lashes are- I don't do those. Seamlessly. These are extensions. Okay, it's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> but you have, these are your lashes? They are, yeah, because I can't be you. Girl, bye. No, because you are what I pay to be. No, that's not that's, true. You're you a little bit is. more. You know it. Mm, okay, no. listen. We're flirting right now, everybody. No. Sorry. Back to your questions. <laughs> I know. We're, we're off track. Um, a lot of people had questions about pregnancy sex, actually, mm. because there are a lot of people, and even people who have not been pregnant, that are like, I just don't feel sexy. And I, I see that a lot with like new, new moms and like new parents that have been asking questions about um, how do I kind of get like my sexy back? How how was it for you? I think a really big thing is to meet yourself where you are. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us are, we have these, even a mindset is aspirational. Like get confident with your body. Like just be confident. Like, yeah. can't just, like I can't just be great at golf. Yeah. There is a process and there's a period of time that it will take before I'm there. 
And so from then to now, I can work on myself in ways that are small and meaningful and impactful towards my long-term goal. But in the meantime, I got to meet myself where I am today. Mm. And if today I'm not confident, then today we're having sex with the lights off. Period. Today <laughs> I'm having sex with a full bodysuit that's fishnet. Yeah. That keeps things together in a way that I like. You know, today we're using lube because I'm not sure if I'm going to lubricate or not. And I don't want to put myself in that position of being like, oh shit, like, we're now five minutes in and I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's meeting yourself where you are and purchasing or putting yourself, putting a plan of action around that you know you're going to be comfortable in regardless of how you show up or how things end up being. Yeah. So don't think about like, here's who I want to be. Think about here's who I am and what does the me right now need to give myself the best chance of letting go in the bedroom. That's right. the goal, right? The right. place where you're not thinking about laundry and your insecurities and what's wrong with you or what's wrong with the world, the place that you're just in complete pleasure. Right. Um, and there might, might be some things that you have to do preemptively to get to that spot. Yeah. I think that th we had a lot of questions about people who are like, I just don't feel sexy during sex and I don't know how to make that happen. But I feel like there's like some things that you can do, but I think that there's like this idea that if you have a high sex drive, then automatically just in the bed, you're just like, fucking raging, yeah. looking incredible, wearing red lipstick and a fucking teddy. I don't want to put on lingerie every time I'm fucking. I don't want to do that's a lot. That's a lot for me. I would like to put on a body oil, a nice fragrance. Oh, wow. Maybe light a candle. Yes. That and that's, feels great for me. That's your great for me. <laughs> yes. So I think that's yes. what's important for everyone to figure out. Um, I had sex with a projector for a while and I loved that. Because essentially you put a projector on yeah. behind you and then you just have it, you know, it was up against the bed so that we would have these like things across our body. So it just made it like <gasps> an artistic experience. And I just, oh. I felt liquid when I was doing that. So you can find what is that hack? A colored yeah. light bulb. It could be a playlist, right? It could right. be a different, a wedge pillow. Wedge pillows. Oh my gosh. When I was pregnant, I'm like, this is the hack. Because the Bobby pillow? No, it's a pregnancy pillow. Well, there's a there's a pregnancy pillow, which is good, sort of, but the wedge pillows that are firm. Uh -huh. So you don't have to like hoist yourself up. Uh, just made sex so much more comfortable. Yeah. Even receiving oral, it just made it easier because if you went on it in like inverse, then you were a little bit upside down. Not I don't me know. on Amazon, wedge pillow. The wedge pillow. So, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a thing you have to buy. Yeah. It can just be a thing that you do. You go to the bathroom for five minutes before and you wrap your favorite Nicki Minaj verse or whatever your thing is. But yeah. Stop just hoping. Start mm -hmm. getting a lot more intentional. I think that's the, the best bet. Right. A lot of people also had questions about, and even I have questions about, like, I guess, kind of pre-sex hygiene. Because mm. I always, I'm going to be honest with y'all, because this is a relationship. You know, I talk about the real shit. I always feel best when I'm freshly showered before sex. But then my boyfriend, you know, we'll have a good night out. We'll be out on town having a good old time. I'm a sweaty bitch. I sweat a lot. Okay, so I get very hot. So I like to be fresh. So as soon as we get back, we could have been drinking, having a good old time. I'm like, I'm going to take a shower. He's like, don't take a shower. I don't care. I am going to fall asleep if you go and shower for 20 minutes. I'm like, I just have to do this for myself. And then I come out of the shower. I'm glistening. I'm shaved. I'm, you know, shit showered and shaved. And I came out and he's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what, what am I supposed to do? Should I just give in? Like, should we just not care about that? I think that a lot of people, especially women, have an insecurity about kind of like just natural body sense and activity. What do you say to that? 
Well, if you know that even if you did just have sex, you'd be constantly thinking, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to let go and feel good, then you're doing the right things. Yeah. You're just like, I'll, I'll take my chances. Yeah. If it matters to you, stay up, drink yeah, a coffee, exactly. do something. Walk clap, around. Walk around, go for a jog. <laughs> yes. Get some fresh air. Eat come a back. snack. Eat a snack. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's more about the conditioning that society has mm -hmm. placed on you, that your body needs constant overcorrection, yeah. that you need to tweeze and pull because the way that you naturally are is disgusting, that's when you can start to dismantle those and say, is that actually how I feel about myself or how I've been trained to think about myself? Right. Um, and I know for me, I've never been a big hygiene person. So I remember like early in my relationship with Jared, um, we went to a club, we had a great time, we came back, but I was on my period and I was sweaty mm. at the club. Like I like to dance and like, really, mm -hmm. I'm there for the workout. Yes, I don't period. drink, so I'm there for the workout. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I came back and I was like racing ahead of him to try to like get cleaned up mm. and then also shave because I didn't shave. I had the wrong underwear on. And then he was like, oh my God, go put a black sheet on the bed and yeah. meet me in the bedroom. And I was like so turned on by that. <gasps> but that was because I'm already kind of a dirty bitch. So I was like, mm. finally, <laughs> somebody freedom. who understands me. But if you're like, ew. <laughs> yeah. Because there's other things that are important to me that right. may not be important to you. So I, the most important thing is like, how do I get to a space where I feel sexy? Mm -hmm. Esther Perel, the therapist, oh, amazing. She's a really like, to me, she's such an iconic sex educator in this space. But uh -huh. she talks about that, uh, it's proven that women's greatest turn on is themselves. So I actually agree with that. You know that tweet song? There goes yes. my shirt. Do you know it took forever for people to realize that she was talking about masturbation in a mirror. She wasn't talking about like being with somebody else. She's talking about being with herself. So I fully agree with that because if I feel sexy, then automatically everything that we're doing is about to be bomb. But if I feel like shit, ain't shit popping off for me personally. It's very hard to get to that place where like mentally I'm checked in if I'm already like been checked out. Yeah, you have to look me. at yourself and be like, I want to have yeah. sex with me. Yes, exactly. Do you self-pleasure to oh, yourself? Yes, of course. Of course. Some people <laughs> need porn. Some, I, some, a lot of people either don't masturbate at all or I, some people say that they get off better when they are masturbating versus like sex with somebody else. And I think that even if you're having sex for the first time and you've never masturbated, try it. Try it. I, I think that there's something to being able to tell somebody else what it is that you like and what you want. Mm -hmm. Don't you think so? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. just feel like, you, how are you going to, if you haven't done it to yourself, how do you know if you want it or not? Or like what you would want or what feels best to you? Mm-hmm. But I do find that having somebody else masturbate you is not, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Sometimes they just be missing the spot. You're like, you oh, know what I, I love, I, I love watching other people masturbate. Really? Especially my sexual partner. It's like my favorite <gasps> thing. I love it. Wow. Because you get to really see what they, and there's yeah. something so human about it. Yeah. I really like it. But it's also like, could I do the exact same thing that you're doing? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you can do it for yourself feels great. Yeah. I don't know. I'm also, I'm um, very deep into lesbian TikTok. I'm not gay or bisexual, but lesbian TikTok, I feel safe there. And I feel safe with lesbian porn. I can't watch heterosexual porn. It doesn't do anything for me. I'm not really an avid porn watcher, but if I'm going to watch, I'm not watching heterosexual porn because mm -hmm. they just do too much. I don't need all that storyline shit. 
I want like, you know, connect, emotional connection. Yes. I don't know. Something's just different about it. You're not alone in that at all. There's, I feel like there's- it's extremely, I usually watch. I've only recently, because I started investing in uh, ethical porn, which is usually porn that's done by like a woman filmmaker and a woman director. Right. And yes. so I've started watching more kinds of porn because I now pay for my porn and I find that I like it better. But mm. if I'm on a tube site, I cannot go anywhere but lesbian. Because yeah. I don't want to be either person. I don't want to be anybody no. in this porn. No. I don't want to be the director. No. I don't want to be the man or the woman. <laughs> I feel bad for the camera person. Yeah. I'm like, why am I watching this 20-minute bukkake? This yeah. is not what I want to see. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. God. Okay. Going into more questions, just like direct ones. Somebody said, is it always better when you love the person that you're having sex with? You know what I'm going to say? If you think it's better, it's better. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's true. I think, yeah, no, that's exactly right. If you think it's better, then it is better. Sometimes it couldn't be better. Sometimes it could be better. <laughs> I think it really just kind of depends on you and the other person. Because you could love somebody that you have no sexual chemistry with. Right. Or who's never given themselves the benefit of sex education. Yeah. Doesn't know anything and has lackluster techniques. Yeah. There were some questions from people who said, like, I am madly in love with my partner, but the sex is bad. What do I do? So to answer your question, person, no, it's not always better. <laughs> right. That's no, that's the answer. What can what is your advice to those people where they have no sexual chemistry, but they are romantically just head over heels for the person? If you have a partner who feels like they're willing to learn, you're in luck. It's a skill. Yeah. Right? Like if you came to me and said, my partner can't cook, what should I do? Yeah. I'd be like, sign up for some courses. Yeah. Buy some books, watch some videos. Get some pots and pans. Get some pots and pans. Get this, <laughs> the cookware. Yes. Practice. Practice in low risk environments and have mm. a dinner party maybe where yeah. you debut some of your skills. Like start off with eggs. Start off with eggs. Start with rice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is a, there's a tried and true system that we mm. can put into place. It's no different for sex. Yeah. I think we make it so different, but it's really just a skill set. And like, I think mm. it's more of a skill set like dancing, right? Because you could be a dancer who knows all the moves, but if you don't have that je ne sais quoi, that flow or flair to it, you're not going to look the same as the other dancer who does have that. Right. So yes, there is a certain, you know, you can learn a lot technique wise, but eventually you have to make the moves your own. That's what makes you an exceptional dancer versus a dancer who knows choreography. Yeah. So I do think that, but you definitely can learn. If you have a partner who is willing to learn and is open to feedback, you're in mm -hmm. luck. Some people aren't. Some people are like, at this work with my my last girlfriend, we were together for 30 years. Okay. okay. And where is she now? Right. <laughs> well, no, I've had people, <laughs> my first episode of my podcast coming out is about my lack of ability to orgasm from penetration alone. And I actually went mm. and got something called the O-Shot, which is like <sighs> platelets injected into your clitoris and G-spot in hopes of making it more sensitive so that you can orgasm Did it work? that way. It didn't work. Fuck. It didn't work for me. Was and it expensive? I mean, it depends on what your version of expensive is. Mm. But if it's like with the hopes that it'll work, then it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, it, I could I could justify, you know, if I really stretch my mind that mm -hmm. it did something, but it didn't do the thing that I like wanted it to do. Mm. But in that episode, I had like submissions from other people who couldn't orgasm from just penetration alone. And people were saying things like they've had partners say, you're a lesbian. Like if you can't experience pleasure this way, everybody else did. You're the problem. You're you're confused about your sexual orientation. Okay. So those are the partners you can't teach. And if you're listening to this and your partner is telling you 
anything is wrong with you because you can't achieve something that they have achieved before with somebody else, run. Literally tell them to go fuck themselves because what is that? And especially like in, with something, with a topic that the reason why we're keeping everybody anonymous for this episode is because the topic of sex is so like vulnerable for people. Mm-hmm. And when you're speaking so ignorantly about something that's vulnerable for someone, it's just like, who the fuck are you, sir or ma'am or who? Yeah. What? How, like, who are you to say that to somebody? That's I mean, it's crazy. a mass projection of their own insecurities mm. that they're placing onto you and not realizing the damage that they're mm-hmm. doing, right? The damage that's been done to you, you're not just passing on. So right. it's unfortunate, but yeah, there are, to your point, definitely people who they're just not teachable. Yeah. And maybe they will be in five years, but not all of us have five years. Mm. Good luck to them. How about that? Okay, somebody said, what do you do if your sex drive is drastically different from your partner? This is the most popular question that I have seen in the past two years by far since the pandemic began. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I've been affected. Have you been affected by the pandemic? Oh, for sure. I mean, like I got pregnant. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. we had different sex drives. Mm -hmm. Obviously, maybe not. He had a sex drive with himself, but (laughs) it didn't cross over onto this territory. Oh, my God. It's a one way street. See, Uh, I just wasn't having it. It wasn't happening. There was just it, it wasn't happening. But like, I think that's that's true. Like over the past two years, a lot of people have been experiencing ebbs and flows in their sex drive. Mm-hmm. Well, what it's do you more do? stress. It's yeah. more time. Whatever your usual routine was, like you described a sex night out as mm-hmm. like we went out, we had some drinks, we were at a club, we mm-hmm. came back. Like you can't do that anymore. Mm-mm. Now it's like we were at home all day Getting long drunk. together oh, in, in the sweats. house. <laughs> I cried for a few hours. Yeah. Their mom called and had a panic yes. attack. And then he was playing Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> Literally that. Literally that. (laughs) They got drunk and I yelled at them. And then after that, I took a shower and then we decided to have sex. You're like, that's, you know. So it's very normal. Uh, I would say be honest about it. Talk about it. Really put it all out there on the table. Compromise doesn't always have to look like a middle ground of people's desires. Mm -hmm. It can actually be two heads coming together and coming up with a solution that's greater than any one individual could have thought of. Mm. So maybe what your sex drives look like ideally to you as individuals is one thing, but when you bring all that together and you put it on the table as partners, you might be able to find out a configuration that you didn't even realize would be perfect for both of you. So I just Mm. think it's so common. And the reason why nobody has a fast answer for you is because there is no fast response. But the best thing you could possibly do is like lay it all out on the table, take stock of what the truths are. Again, be more curious about what their answers are versus, you know, what you want them to say. Yeah. And then from there, make a really informed decision about what's healthiest for not just you as individuals, but as a couple. Yeah. I We got a lot of questions about sex drive coming from couples who have been together for a really long time. And a lot of people were saying like, we've been together for nine years. Like the sex drive just isn't what it used to be. How do I spice it up? Yes. What's your advice for spicing up your sex life? I think accepting. I love this fact that if you continue to be in passionate love with somebody, and passionate love is when that person walks into the room, like your dopamine levels spike, you get mm-hmm. an adrenaline rush, you get butterflies, right? Whenever they touch you, when you see them, you're just like, you get wet instantly. Like mm-hmm. those feelings that we yearn for, that we think are markers of what must love actually be. Like, I love you because I can't get enough of you. Mm-hmm. You would shorten your lifespan if you constantly felt that way towards somebody because it damages your tissue every time you have adrenaline rushes. And it's a spike in cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which you know elevates your heart rate and oh it God. makes your pupils dilate. And so if you were constantly in that state 
of, in essence, fight or flight yeah. around your partner for 20 plus years, you'd shorten your lifespan. So for your survival, love has to shift from being this like exciting, I can't get enough of you, like I lust for you to companion it, which is more, I appreciate you. I value you. I adore you. Wow. Um, and so acknowledging that, not that it's could change, that in your best case scenario, it will change. Yeah. Or you'll die. Or you'll die. <laughs> so stop yearning for what it was. Yes. Stop like looking back like, I wish it could be that again. Mm. Like be grateful that it was that for that period of time, but be grateful that period of time ended. Yeah. And then now, you know, ease into what is the current truth, which is yet to be more intentional about it. See. And so spicing it up, like, I'll go back to the spaghetti reference, right? Like you make spaghetti at the same time every single day, all the, if you add sugar into the recipe, if you add thyme into the recipe, if you take the meat out, if you put extra tomatoes in, it's going to taste different to you. You change yeah. the noodles from skinny to thick. Like people think spicing it up means changing the dish. It doesn't. Just really small things can make it feel like a whole new experience. So mm -hmm. start there. What are the tiny things? Can we switch sides of the bed that we have sex on? Mm -hmm. Can we play a video while we have sex? Mm -hmm. Can we keep it silent? Lights on, lights off, projector on, like those tiny things. And then if anything else, start watching porn, ethical porn. I like Erica Lust. Erica Lust creates porns on Lust Cinema that are based on people's fantasies. People write mm. fantasies and she creates films out of them. Watch those together, get some ideas. Like, yeah. If you were an artist and you got to a writer's block or a creativity block, what would you do to spark your imagination again? You would start like inviting content into your life. You would have conversations. Like mm -hmm. you wouldn't stay at the canvas. You would go out there into the world and gather more knowledge and information and bring right. that back to what you do. Right. Wow. No, that that makes so much sense because I feel like, you know, even in my own personal relationship, you know, I like to say it back to me. Okay. Someone says, why does sex gross me out? And why do I feel so uncomfortable when my friends talk about it? What a great question to unpack. Yeah. Do you ever have those things about yourself where you're like, why do I feel that way? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yes. Why do I feel this yes. way? And now you get to be on this tourist experience with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like journey, do a magic school bus moment. Yeah. Like what? Let's go back. Let's this dive. Begin? Get into the bus. Yeah. Dive in. Go yeah. and look at it. Ask questions. You know, like uh, technique and therapy would be to table, like to actually have a conversation with that body part, with that thing itself and ask. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think that would be fascinating. Did yeah. you ever go through this phase? I mean, no. Yeah, I've always not. been very into your mom and Mrs. into Crawford. Sex. Yeah. Shout out to you who's still listening right now. See, oh, she's definitely still, oh my God. She's going to be like, I loved the episode. She's like, <laughs> she loves everything I do. She's a ride or die for real. But I, you know, I think that we have to also acknowledge this is a sex episode, obviously. There are some people who are not into sex. Yes. Asexual people exist. Yes. Great response. Great like response. that, that's okay. That's normal. Like just because your friends talk about it, if you don't get those feelings, doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means that you think differently than they do. I think. You no, know, phenomenal response. I think yeah. that's a really beautiful question to even ask yourself. Yeah. Is this an important part of my life? Is this is this included in my recipe of what a great life is? Right. It doesn't have to be. Right. Because some people I have friends, but even people who who wrote in or like I don't like getting head or I don't like giving head. Head is oral sex in case, you know, you know I'm just going to use the street, street lingo. Is that normal? Yeah, completely normal. Uh, I was on this podcast once and there was three hosts on this podcast. And the statistic, like a rough statistic is like 25% of people uh, can orgasm from penetration without any clitoral, outer clitoral stimulation, mm -hmm. like regularly. And around 
one third can orgasm without that stimulation like once in a while. So Mm -hmm. anyhow, an easy way of thinking of it is like two thirds of people require outer clitoral stimulation to orgasm. One third of people may not. And there was three people on this podcast and two of them were like, getting head is my favorite thing. I don't even Mm. care about penetration. And then the other person was like, I don't like getting head. I only want penetration. And Mm. they were equally shaming each other. (laughs) So the person who didn't like receiving head, the other people were like, you're body shaming yourself. You're embarrassed about the way that you smell and taste. The reason why you're not enjoying it is because you don't enjoy your own body. Like you, you're, the patriarchy exists within you. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then the person who could (laughs) receive, you know, or uh, didn't like oral sex, but like penetration was saying to the other people, like you're too uptight during sex. You're not letting go. You're not allowing yourself to experience the emotions. Mm. Like you're too heady. Yeah. And I was just like sharing this stat, like, hey, the way that you receive pleasure is valid. The way that you receive pleasure is valid. And it's okay if what your friend likes isn't what you like. Yeah. That's all right. So it's okay if you're like, my clitoris is just too sensitive. It's so sensitive. It's almost painful. Mm. Some people, it is that experience for them. Yeah. Like it's so sensitive. It's painful. It's ticklish. Or it's not sensitive enough and there's no sensation. What they prefer is something that's more vigorous. So they like like deep thrusting or even just um, humping. Like I know a friend mm-hmm. of mine, a lot of people masturbate by just humping a pillow mm. or something very firm. Yeah. So they need that more like firm uh, friction. That's yeah. what gets them off. So it's normal that not like head. Yeah. Hmm. See, listen, There's I, there were also some questions. Somebody asked, what does sex with a woman feel like for a man? Have you interviewed any or like even Jared? Have you asked him like, what does it feel like in there? Like what's in there? I asked recently, I was on a, a Ask the or JK News and there was like five dudes there. So I was like, it's a great opportunity for me mm-hmm. to ask. I'm like, do you notice a difference from vagina to vagina? Like yeah. if you were blindfolded and yeah. your girlfriend was laid out on a table with four other people. Would you know? Would you know? And they were all like, nah. Fuck. They were like, I guess you might kind of know. Because the whole point, there's a book that I listened to that I I liked. I can see how it could be problematic in some cases. But it's called Why Men Don't Love Women Like You. And Mm. a part of the thing that he was talking about constantly is like, stop saying you have bomb pussy. Oh, That is not the thing that makes you a great lover or makes you a great partner. All pussies are the same. It's the attitude. It's the enthusiasm. It's the skill set. It's your desire to be there. But like there's no real difference in terms of sensation. Now, Mm. there is pairings. Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably more of an accurate thing to say. Like if you have somebody with a very small penis and you've got a wider vagina, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, When I went and got that O-shot done, you know, they do vaginal tightening there. And she Mm. said that one of her clients described sex as throwing a hot dog down a hallway. Oh, Jesus. Like there was just no, so she would need a very girthy partner. So there are pairings that do have to, if you're on the larger side or on the smaller side, you probably would notice a difference. Yeah. But for everybody else in between, probably not as much as you would think. Wow. Well, you know what? I like that um, whole analogy that there's no such thing as bomb pussy, but I'm going to go on the record and say mine is bomb. Tell us about it. What (laughs) makes it bomb? It's It's small. She's very tiny. But, which is another thing. I feel like I was just having this conversation with one of my best friends because she was like, my pum pum fat. Like, I don't know. It's just big. Yeah. It's big. And she was like, and I was with one of my other friends who has a small one. And she was like, we were just like looking at each other. It's like, huh, weird. You were, we're looking at different. each other? No, not me. She was talking about her and her oh, other friend. Oh, how fun is that? But I've done that too. 
obviously. Mm. I mean, like, you know, girl shit. Like, I think, but I also think that a lot of times when, like, guys think about girl sleepovers, that's what they think about. But they think that we're, like, having pillow fights and, like, doing the most when really we're, like, let me see Audi. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Like, it's just so, I mean, you know, everybody has their own comfortability. I'm just learning, Kim, and you've had a really progressive sexual coming of age. Yeah. Yeah. You just if you, you did all the right any things. Of my friends, like in high school, they would be like, "Cammy was the one who talked about sex the most." Yeah, because I just have never felt shame about sex. Like it's a it's a natural thing; people do it. Why are we not talking about it? I don't know, but I don't I don't have an issue with talking about it personally. You obviously don't. No, not now. But I had to teach. I'm almost doing this job in spite of. Mm. Right. It's not as a result of. It would make sense for me to be you. Right. Yeah. Too. Because it's yeah. a continuation of what good sex has done in my life. Mm. I'm doing this in spite of, like in the face yeah. of bad sex, in the face of shame, in the face of repression. So, But we need that, obviously. Like the people who are listening need that because, like I said, 74% never had the sex talk. I mean, did you ever get the sex talk? Like a proper sex talk? I did sort of my, this is what my parents did that I I think was a good effort. They said, if you have any questions, you can ask, mm. which is fair, but you're putting the burden of responsibility mm-hmm. on a teenager yeah. to drive a dialogue that they're uncomfortable with and right. they're not sure what's going to get them in trouble. Mm. My parents are both medical too. So my dad's a paramedic, my mom is a nurse. And mm-hmm. I remember like everything was a symptom of pregnancy. Like by the time I was like a coming of age, like I, I was at the age that I would be having sex. Yeah. If I complained that my nose was itchy, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Like it was always that. Like, so I was constantly oh on alert. So yeah, I'm not going to ask you questions because yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to get into trouble. Yes. Or you're going to start making assumptions around what I'm doing if I ask a certain question. And so they did try to open the door, but I don't think that they, uh, I don't, I think that if you're the adult, you should be the one leading the, mm-hmm. the dialogue. Mm-hmm. No, I I fully agree. I fully agree with that. I think some a lot of people had questions about aftercare, after sex care, and like after sex hygiene. Mm. Um, someone I, probably not gonna have time to play the voicemails, but there were other people with the same questions about after sex care, just like in general, and also is it okay if you're doing any kind of like anal penetration to then directly stick the penis into the vagina afterwards. Oh, no for that. Right. I mean, it's a wipe down. Mm-hmm. It's changing the condom. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't do it, yeah. but it's just not A to V, V to A, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth like turntables. Mm-hmm. You definitely have to like take a moment and pause. And yeah. Reset the activity. Yeah. Even if you're doing a threesome, you know, usually in that scenario, there's like somebody who's designated to the ass and someone who's designated to the other body parts. Really? Yeah, there's so much bacteria, you know, and, and if you get fecal matter in your eye, it's a problem, right? right. Or underneath your nails or like it's just a breeding ground for not things not to go well. Things are supposed to exit the bum yeah. and go into the toilet and never be seen again. Yeah. And it's okay to like engage that area, but you should also just be aware that like, yeah, it just needs an extra bit of care. But I just think basics, wipe up with a uh, Warm water. You mm-hmm. don't need soap. Definitely don't use, you know, soap that's scented or anything else like that. That's could be irritating. Mm-hmm. Wipe up with warm water or if you use a wipe, that's fine too. Like a flushable wipe or disposable wipe. And then pee after sex. Pee. There's always. arguments for if men should or shouldn't pee. Just do it. If yeah. you can, if you're not erect and you have the capacity to pee afterwards, mm-hmm. like just do that. 
I think a big part of after sex care people should really talk about is the mental part. Like, what do you do to Mm -hmm. digest that experience and feel good about it? So again, you can look back on that experience three weeks from now and feel good about that. Yeah. Like, what is your after sex care routine? Pee immediately. Mm -hmm. And like, my boyfriend knows, don't let me fall asleep. Drag me out this motherfucker because I will go to sleep. And I like to sleep afterwards. He likes to chit chat. He's a chatty Kathy. <laughs> I call him chatty Kathy all the time. He wants to talk about anything, anything random. If we're going to talk, I want to talk about the experience. I don't want to talk about like where we're going to take the dog tomorrow after we work. Like, I don't want to talk about that. But I have to pee because like I said, she's tiny. The coochie is small. So my urethra is short. Mm. So I had a boyfriend in high school that played basketball and like, you know, I was a cheerleader. He was a basketball player. So we were like, oh, this will be cute. We'll like have sex after the games. And I would get UTIs all the time consistently because A, he wasn't clean. I wasn't peeing directly after. Like these kinds of things can contribute to the reason why you're not feeling your best down there. If you have a vagina, it's just not like you have to pee Mm -hmm. after. So peeing after is my go-to number one. What about you? Yes, definitely peeing Mm -hmm. and then wiping up with water. And then I do need to either talk about it or cuddle. Mm. Like there needs to be like a close. Yes. Like an agreed upon close. Yes. I don't like just like separate and pretend it never happened. Mm -hmm. So even if it's day sex, I need like 10 minutes where we just like are still lovers. Yeah. Like I don't want to feel like the exchange is over. Yeah. And maybe that might be nice for like a role play, like for a hot thing once in a while. Mm -hmm. But I do still want to feel like you do still... I'm still your lover afterwards and you're still turned on by me afterwards and tuned yeah. into me afterwards. Not like disposed. So if the person like kind of went to sleep <laughs> afterwards, I'd be like, wake up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> uh, okay. This one's a good one. Why the fuck does noisy air always come out after doggy style? What is the science? I mean, it's just our physics, I would assume. Yeah. Talking because about a good old fashioned Something queef. is pushing in yes. while you're bent in a certain position and then you're bent like that and then you, it's like when you're, you know, you're watering, you have the hose. Yeah. And then you've got like a crink in the hose mm-hmm. and then you undo it and then the water sprays out. Yeah. It's like the air is getting trapped in that one pocket and then you straighten up and then it just all flows out. Yeah. So there's probably a physicist or someone that can come on <laughs> really explain why, but it feels like, yeah, science. Yeah. But I feel like people are really insecure about queefing. Some people probably don't even know. Obviously, the way that they put it is probably better. Why does noisy air come out of the vagina after doggy style or any kind of sex position that has you bent out of normal shape? But I call it queefing. But then when I said I said it to my boyfriend, because I I queefed recently, (laughs) I was like, I wasn't a fart. (gasps) It was a queef. He was like, what the fuck is a queef? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's I was sweet. like, well, what do you call it? He was like, a pussy fart. <laughs> oh my gosh. I call it a vart. So, a vart? Yeah. But I like I like queef. It sounds queef. Yeah. It, it sounds, sounds like posh. it has a crown on. It does. Queef. It does. Look at your hand right now. Queef. A long cigarette. It's a queef. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, you have to come back. Yeah, speaking of long cigarettes, this is uh, what you do after sex. Yeah. Right. In the eighties films. Literally. Mm-hmm. Why don't people do that anymore? Lung cancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Oh, my God. Okay, Heart well, disease. thank you so much for this. I feel like everybody listening, you've definitely taken something away from this. But where can people find you if they want to hear more? 
So I have a podcast coming out October hey! the 6th. It's called Lovers and Friends with Sham Boudram and with Cammie Crawford, who yes. will be a guest on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It is, I have been putting out a podcast, girl, since 2004. Yes. So it's taken me so long to come up with a format that I like, to find a home that I like. I'm really mm-hmm. excited about it. And I would love if people just gave it a shot. Yeah. And obviously your Instagram, socials everywhere. Who YouTube, cares about that? TikTok. Who a fuck? Yeah. Don't, listen to the fuck a podcast. Listen to the podcast. Listen to the bad, if you don't listen to the podcast, you're going to have seven years of bad sex. Oh, uh, you give them that chain mail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Pass it on. <laughs> Thank you so, so Thank much. Thank you so much. This is a joy. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch a new episode of Relationship every single Friday. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss any of the action. And I want to hear from you. So please, if you love the show, leave us a review. But by review, you know I only need five stars only. And let us know what you think. Make sure you follow us on socials at Relationship on Instagram and at Relationship Pod on Twitter. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, bestie.